The Young and Healthy Podcast. You're listening to the Cincinnati Children's Young and Healthy Podcast. Welcome to the Young and Healthy Podcast. Some of you might recognize those noises. We are in the studio today bringing you an episode about fidgets. And I'm Kate Sutter, your host for today, and I am joined in the studio by two therapists in our psychiatry department, Emily Meyer and Jenny McNeese. Thank you both for being here. Thanks for having us. So both Emily and Jenny are um, therapists who work within schools in our area, and they've joined us today to talk about these somewhat annoying at times, um, (laughs) little things that so many of our kids love. Um, Fidgets can come in all shapes and sizes. And what we're going to be talking about today is like, what is the, the why behind a fidget? And how do they work? And do they actually really help kids manage their anxiety? Um, So ladies, whoever wants to start, would you give us just a little bit of, um, of background on kind of your practice within the school, and and then we'll jump right into talking about what a fidget is. Um, sure. So Emily and I, um, we both work for psychiatry. We're both therapists in psychiatry. However, we're more and more we've been putting um, therapists in schools, and just to provide kind of more integrative care, um, to have that good communication with the school and the parents and things like that. We actually have a therapist in over nine different school districts within the greater Cincinnati area, um, and our therapists are fully embedded in the school and work collaboratively with the school community to um, kind of provide a holistic care for the kids in the school setting. I love that you guys do that and bringing care directly to the kids where they need it in schools. Um So I imagine you hear these noises that we just heard um, fairly often in your day-to-day. And so I know that fidgets are things, but I'd like to start by asking you if you'll tell us about like the act of fidgeting and why is it important and what benefit can it have for somebody who has anxiety? Well, I think a few different things, right? Um, A lot of times restlessness is a main symptom when it comes to anxiety. And so sometimes they're fidgeting anyway, right? They're fidgeting with their hands. They're touching their clothes. When you have a fidget that you can use kind of in a repetitive motion, it can actually be soothing for anxiety. And it uses different senses because they all kind of feel different, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's also the kind of ties in some mindfulness, right? Mm-hmm. Like sometimes when you... Um, have symptoms of anxiety, you can be very much in your head uh, and overthinking and overanalyzing. So kind of having that tactile um, thing that you are feeling kind of puts you back into, like brings your awareness to. Exactly. You're using your senses, you know, and anything that uses your senses is a kind of a core component of mindfulness. So I think sometimes adults think that a kiddo is just playing with a toy and but it's important to know that that child likely is actually using it to help themselves somehow. 
Um, is there anything that like a kiddo can can do to to let the adults around them know that hey, I have this for a reason? Um, so yeah, I, I hear that a lot from parents actually, is that they just want to bring these toys to school. But what I try to do is kind of educate the parents, first of all, they're actually more like kind of tools they can use to kind of self-regulate themselves and calm themselves down. And I kind of tell the kids to say kind of similar things too. Like if they are playing with something in class, you know, that maybe they shouldn't be, like this really helps calm me down. And sometimes they even say, you know, my therapist gave me this, you know what I mean? To kind of help. That's a good one. My therapist gave me this, or my, my therapist says that it's helpful for me to have it. Right. I think, too, more and more teachers are understanding that if the connection kind of between the brain and the body, that like if you put something in a child's hand, then they may be able to focus more mm-hmm. on what's going on around them and soothe themselves instead of maybe, you know, daydreaming or asking to leave the classroom. So I think it's also beneficial when teachers are able to really kind of reinforce that or have a fidget-friendly classroom. And I've actually even reached out to teachers if I have a kid that's super anxious or maybe they have a lot of test anxiety. I'm like, hey, I gave Johnny a few fidgets to use in class, and they're almost always super supportive of it. So what other situations outside of school? Might a fidget be helpful for a child to be able to have in their hands? Anytime, I, what I've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this too, Emily, is anytime that a kid has to sit still for a long time. Could be at a doctor's appointment. Um, it could be before maybe they're going to play sports, um, competition, um, go on stage and do a performance, things like that that really kind of drive anxiety up. It can kind of help self-regulate them before they go on. I would, I would agree with that. I think that even car rides or if something is mm-hmm. happening, you know, I think it gives them something to do um, to kind of self-regulate and calm down. So, And I feel like a lot of times, too, they're, they're doing it without even realizing that they're doing it. Exactly. It's funny you say that because I, I told my son that I was going to go on this podcast, right? And he, my son has some anxiety and he uses fidgets all the time. And I said, how do you think it's different than a toy is what I asked him. And he's like, because you're not thinking about it. He said, you just do it and then you can focus. You're not like playing like, oh, I'm going to use this truck to go do this. He's like, it's very almost mindless. Mm-hmm. So that way you can keep your focus on what's going on. So what do you typically share with someone who thinks that fidgets are simply a distraction for a child? I think that's a really good question, and that's stuff that we've heard before from people. And I think what I would share is that they kind of do the opposite of distract. Um, They kind of give them something to focus on in class. Like as they're, you know, say they're just like spinning it on their finger, then they can focus more on what's being said in the classroom. It's almost like it takes the fidgety part and gives it like gives them something to do so that then they can focus. Am I understanding that? Yep. Exactly. I think it's one of those where, um, and as therapists, we've done this for years, even in therapy, is that if you, particularly with children, if you involve the body in the senses, then it kind of calms the brain and the brain is able to uh take in the other things within the surroundings. So whether it's like an educational lesson from a teacher or um, preparing for a test, whatever it might be, it really does calm the brain. Um, and we've, we've been able to kind of 
know, there's plenty of studies out there um, that can now show that it's a calming effect. And so we now have some evidence for that. What about people who are concerned that the fidgets can be distractions for the kids around the kid who is benefiting from it? Well, I think that's why they make a very wide variety of them. So we started out, I think we heard in the beginning of this, the poppet ones, mm -hmm. like right. making those noises. So those types can also be super useful, but I would, if, if say we're in a school setting, I would prefer that a kid have those in an environment that's already a little bit louder, mm -hmm. such as gym or choir or lunch, something like that. But they also make some that are super quiet. Like I'm using one right now that you can't really hear, right? Mm -hmm. It has a marble in it that you can kind of move around. Um, I think some of the other ones to think about are like the noodle. I mm -hmm. kind of call them spaghetti noodle type. So they're more of like a rubbery... Um, material that they can stretch and twist mm -hmm. and they're silent. Jenny and I both have those in our hands <laughs> We're right using now. them right now. <laughs> yep. Can't and hear kind, a bit of it. And you kind of stretch them out and it kind of gives that tension too. That mm -hmm. kind of feels nice. Mm -hmm. And so, and then again, the more you're focusing on, you know, using this fidget, you're listening to the teacher. You're not worried about what you're going to do next or, you know, these thoughts that suddenly pop in your head, right? Because you're already kind of focused on something. Right. I think there's also uh, some of the jewelry ones, like Jenny has this little spinny ring here that uh, kind of can go up and down on your finger and also spin around. So I think there's other options um, for those kids that maybe particularly, you know, once they get to middle school, high school, don't want awareness to what what they're doing or be labeled that, oh, you have a fidget. So there are some out there that... Um, can kind of be more hidden. Yeah, especially I work in the middle school, so seventh and eighth grade, and Emily's in the high school. So some of the, you know, when you're young, sometimes they think the fidgets are really cool. But as you get older, they might, you know, think it's more juvenile. So it is, it's very true. Like you could be wearing a ring and no one knows it's a fidget and you're still able to use it in the classroom. I've also seen some that are almost like stickers that are textured. Um, do you guys have thoughts on the usefulness of those? I personally have not used those, but I okay. think that they would be useful in the fact that a student could have them on their desk mm -hmm. um, and be able to, um, you know, kind of use them right there and it's not maybe something other kids in the classroom would notice. I don't know. Yeah, especially young. Yeah, I, I don't use those either, but I could see it being helpful with like some younger kids who maybe want to constantly be moving their hands and stuff. They could kind of be moving their hands on the desk and still looking at the teacher and things like that. I've even seen those for adults that put them like on the corner of their computer. Yeah. Um, that it, it feels like one that's kind of you know, a little bit uh, discreet, if mm -hmm. you will. Yeah. It just looks like a pretty sticker. Um, so how should families think about finding the right fidget fit for their child? I think we've talked about the situation in which they're using it, determining whether or not it's noisy is probably a good place to start. But do certain kids respond better to certain types I mean, I think it depends on the kid, right? Like, I have I keep a bunch of these on my desk, and then the kids, I'll have the same week. Every kid that I see will pick out a poppet. Other week, 
same kid that I see will pick out a noodle. It's kind of like which texture feels nice to them. Mm -hmm. This ring one that I have now that it's like kind of a spirally harder surface ring that I'm moving on my hand doesn't feel great to me, right? But the noodle is soft and I like the texture of that better. And I think it's a kid's preference too, right? So maybe that's where these like variety packs of fidgets that you can get is a good place to start. Right. I would definitely suggest a variety pack. I think, you know, what works one time may not work the next time or, you know, you depending on your environment, maybe one time you want like I know I've been sitting here with this one in my hand trying not to make <laughs> noise with it and I'm like I should probably put it down, but depending on the environment that you're in, knowing I need something in my hand. Um, do I need, can I use a noisier one now, or do I need a um, smaller, more discreet one? Um, and so I think it's really, you know, having options for your for the kids of what works for them at that moment in time. That's great. Um, I just want to break in as the producer of this podcast and thank everyone for their restraint. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I think that we've really handled it well because we just identify it when we're going to make the noise, right? This is awesome. Okay. So I know we've talked about how these can be helpful for kids who are managing anxiety. Are there any other um, conditions that kids could have or any other instances where a fidget might help a kiddo who has a different diagnosis? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um Sometimes, you know, kids who are on the spectrum or diagnosed with autism, they have some that they can chew on. So they're actually, they look kind of like necklaces, but they can chew on and kind of get that satisfaction from there. And then, Emily, you were talking about some ADHD ones as well. Yeah, I think there's a lot um, for ADHD, and fidgets are used quite often in classrooms for ADHD symptom management because of the extra stimulation that that requires. Um some of them they even have they remind me of like those fitness bands if you've ever seen them at a gym where oh, they're yeah. like you know a round band rubber band um and they actually have them available where they can go like at the bottom of the kid's desk um so it creates like a tension rubber band and then the kid can like tap their foot on it or um kind of you know, balance their feet on it back and forth. So it gives them something to do when they're feeling a little restless, kind of help um, soothe them again and be present in the classroom. Yeah. And fidgeting is a super natural way to kind of release that tension. So if you actually have something to use, you're not, you know, pulling on your peers shirt or kind of getting up in class or things like that. So what about schools that haven't fully embraced fidgets in the classrooms? How would you recommend a family start a conversation to help advocate for allowing kids to be able to do these things when they need to? Well, I mean, I feel like the keywords advocate, right? If you, you know, get online and you, there's a ton of studies um, that show like statistically, they really do help. They help with focus. They help with anxiety and those things. And I always think parents are, you know, your kid better than anyone. So you are the strongest advocate when talking with the school or emailing the parent or, you know, emailing the teachers. Yeah, I would say I completely agree with Jenny. I mean, I think that's pretty much the parents doing that educational 
advocacy for the, on behalf of their kids of like this is something we've seen help at home when they study for a test or um, you know they st- get stressed we have allowed them to use this and we notice that they're able to self-regulate and kind of get back into whatever activity they were doing making that suggestion mm-hmm. to teachers and maybe also um, showing the teachers you know what fidgets you have and I think having those conversations with teachers about which one of these, you know, would you allow my son Johnny to have in the classroom? Right. Um, would any of them be okay? And I think also kind of working with, like, what are the parameters around it? Um, because, you know, we do need to be respectful of space and um, in a classroom setting. So what can they use that can be kind of more discreet or to themselves? And I imagine many school counselors could probably be helpful in those conversations as well because fidgets have been around for a while. Um, I I hope there aren't too many schools that are still not allowing them, but but a counselor might be a good ally in that conversation with a teacher too. Absolutely. And I think they've come a long way. Um, I think it's, you know, kind of maybe in some people's minds as they're listening to this, they think more of the fidget spinner or the fidget cubes. Um, that they used to have a market uh, several years ago. And I think we've seen a greater variety in options that, you know, the fidget spinners might be a little distracting in a classroom setting, but maybe one of the little noodles is not. So they've kind of become more classroom friendly. Mm-hmm. Are there any that you've seen that like a family can make themselves or use something that they might just have at home they wanted to try it out without kind of buying a variety pack to see what happens? Um, Yeah, uh, this became very useful during COVID when we were kind of stuck at home. Um, And we we tried two of them actually at our house. Um, And it can kind of be a fun thing too. You know, you're hanging out as a family. But one of them was taking Play-Doh and putting it in like a Ziploc bag or certain bag and you can kind of move it around in the bag, um, put some, my kids put like glitter in it and, you know, you can kind of see the different, you know, ways it forms. Um, And then another one is um, taking like, you know, a plastic water bottle and putting rice in it. Um, And so that way you can kind of see it move and it makes, you know, a soothing sound. Some think it's the soothing sound. (laughs) I think you can also do that with a water bottle, and I've done it with food coloring water and a baby oil, and it makes it something visual that they can move around, but it kind of like makes it look like a C mm-hmm. um, going back and forth. And you can also make your own stress balls, which can be helpful, and those are, you know, typically you use like a flower and put it inside of a balloon, um, and it's something tactile for the kids to make, I know. My kids make those all, quite often at home. <laughs> and then when they pop, it's a giant uh, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but while they are intact, they are an excellent way to help manage that anxiety. Um, you guys have answered all of my questions. This has been a really fun conversation. Um, was there anything else that we, you know, have missed or anything more that we should say about the fidgets themselves? I think really just that, you know, I would encourage parents to kind of 
go online and, and, you know, you could just do a Google search for fidgets and really see what all is out there. Um, and there's plenty of options to choose from, whether it's like a putty or the poppets or like this little chain thing that I keep trying to restrain myself from using this entire time. <laughs> um, so there's just a lot of different options and kind of, kind of, being open to um, exploring what works for their kid or maybe even themselves as parents. And I think another piece is just kind of like communicating with your kid because some kids are struggling and parents might not even know, you know, like, do you get worried a lot in class? Like, do you ever, you know, some kids put up a really great face, so you might not know that they might be struggling. And, you know, if you find out they are, this is a super easy way to kind of get some relief from that. I love it. That's great. I think, Jenny, that brings up a really good point, too, because I think sometimes um, as parents, we sometimes overlook the nonverbals that our kids have. So really noticing, like, are they fidgeting a lot? Um, You know, are they kind of rubbing the material on their shirt a lot and kind of recognizing those signs? And those might be... um, signs that maybe a fidget would be an appropriate thing because those are some of the nonverbal like anxiety or even ADHD um, symptoms that might be present. Yeah, and they're doing it anyway, right? Right. They're already doing it. They might be fidgeting with their hair or their shirt or something, but they're going to get a lot more relief if they're, you know, fidgeting, fidgeting intently with something that can utilize their senses. I'm so going to go buy like a whole bucket of fidgets now. (laughs) And um, thank you both for this conversation and for this information. Um, I certainly hope that um, families will will take it and help their kids find some of that relief if they need it. You've been listening to the Young and Healthy podcast. We'll see you next time. This episode of Young and Healthy was recorded on March 3rd, 2023. The content of the Young and Healthy podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Bo McMillan produced this awesome episode, and our theme music was created by Stephen Greco.